Hi, I'm Andrew. And I'm Jason. And I'm Martin. This is Hemispheric Views. much on dark mode always so it doesn't really matter i hate i hate yeah. dark are you a light, I'm a light mode? mode guy i don't like dark mode oh wow light i'm mode a dark guy mode guy there. on everything Ooh, even during the day too dark one light sometimes i'll turn it on at night but i don't like it oh are you like except the, do you switch you let it switch I let it, sometimes i let it switch but predominantly and if i'm doing real focused work i need to have it on light mode contrast it's really important do you use a focus mode when you're doing really focused nah, work? No, I hate focus mode. They need to rethink that. <laughs> <laughs> That's I like too it. focused. You like focus mode. Yeah, I use it all the time. I discovered the other day. I'm using it right now. It turns on geographically. If like, So I went to my office the other day, believe it or not, and it recognized I was there and turned on work mode. I was like, oh, that's clever. So could you make a toilet mode where you go to the restroom and when you sit down, it turns on focus so you can focus on what you're reading. It's just like 15 icons of, of Angry Birds. I think you need a U1 chip to get that level of specificity. Oh, yeah. And the, toilet need one's, and the toilet needs one too, right? Yeah, yeah. So it can beam form. <laughs> Why does my toilet not have a U1 chip? God damn it. <laughs> the Japanese toilets, I bet they have them. Everybody's complaining about the stupid Apple TV remote. I want one in my damn toilet. Let's get to real priorities here. So would seat down be transparency or noise uh, noise cancellation? Although some of those toilets do have noise cancellation with the little little music that they play. So, oh, I would love that. I'm in the market for a new toilet. So if anybody knows of a toilet with a U1 chip, send it my way. Thing is, you'd need power right near your toilet, right? Like, our, our, our toilets don't have a, a close PowerPoint, I have to admit. Yeah, yeah. We have to, we're, we're gutting the whole thing. So we have, we're, we have the, the opportunity to, to do that. But yes, you do require that, which is something you wouldn't normally Can have. I make a suggestion or a brand, a brand? We talked about recommendations in the last show. So we've got Andrew's recommendation segment straight up. Before you make the recommendation, Andrew, you need to sing your own jingle. Recommend, recommend. Andrew recommends. Wow. If you're going to buy a toilet, I insist that you buy a Toto branded toilet because their customer service is exemplary. I think we're going with the, the Drake with the S550E. When I was in Bali... We were so impressed, and my sons were so impressed with the Toto toilets that I suggested we reach out to their customer service department. He's so good at just sneaking in those, like, when I was in Bali. Uh, <laughs> like, every every time, it's always it's always this, like, when I was here, no big deal. The Clooney's uh-huh. dropped him off. Mm-hmm. They actually recommended that toilet to him. That's where the recommendation... It's a recommendation of a recommendation. Our boys were so impressed with the Toto toilet that we sent them a thank you letter and then they sent us a a gift bag of merchandise. I was really hoping there would have been like a stress ball toilet, but there wasn't. Oh, that would be such a good thing to have on your desk. A little tiny toilet that you could just squeeze. It wasn't that, but it was really kind of them. What a surprise. We didn't ask for that. They just did it. Really good back and forth with their customer service agent who was actually based in the US. So uh, there you go. And this was based on a product that you never actually bought. No, we just used it in a hotel. And you contacted customer support. To congratulate them on the quality of their products. Wow. Okay. That's nice. That's a, that sounds like a five star. Is that a five star? That is. Yep. So Toto, Toto Toilets. So speaking of uh, being in the toilet, can we talk about a little show... That I like to call Eurovision. I'm upset. Talk me through it, Jason. So there's this show, Eurovision, Australia Decides. I couldn't vote. I understand. It's not Australia and Jason Decides. Okay, that's fine. Should have been that, but it wasn't. 
I tried texting it and I got multiple text message back saying, please stop sending us messages. It's <laughs> like, fine, fair enough. And turns out that the actual true winner of the contest did not win. And I'm pretty upset about that. First of all, this is your fault, both of you, not me, because I couldn't, I had no, I couldn't do anything. You both could. So really, this is, this is on Australia. This is on you guys. It's and I want to understand how did we get to where we're at right now? Because I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Well, it's not even our fault. It's not Australia's fault. Australian people did the right thing. Hmm. It's the fault of Australia, of Martin's favorite network, SBS. Hmm. Okay. For, for providing another opportunity for, for, for a handful of experts to ha- also have a vote. Can you walk us through the voting process maybe in a, in a kind of shrunk down version? We don't need the whole, the whole way it works, but briefly. Given the listeners can't see you, you're actually wearing a Dreamer shirt. You are the preeminent expert on all Eurovision matters this time. So I'm happy to give you the floor here. Okay. Yes, I am wearing a Dreamer shirt to hide my disappointment. So the Eurovision voting is there were there was a performance for, I think, five judges. And those five judges allocated a proportion of votes and their votes were apparently based on a separate performance that was done a previous night that the voting audience didn't see. And then there was the audience vote. Australia decides, right? Mm, yeah. And then they combine the two scores, the votes from the judges and the votes from the general population are combined together to give an overall result. But the thing is the weightings didn't seem quite fair it seemed like there was an over an over representation from the judging panel, um, and I don't quite understand how they didn't disclose the judges. Like there wasn't a lot of publicity about who these people were. I heard a couple of names bandied around, but I don't really. And there was no disclosure about which each judge may have voted, and there was no disclosure about the volume of votes from the people that each performer may have gotten. So it didn't matter if you got a million votes from the general public or 10,000 votes from the general public if you were rank it was just a ranking. So there was no scale attached to it. Well, either way, I think it's great that they were a part of this. I think in any if we can take a positive away from this, there's some exposure there which is good. And by they, you are talking about our band. Oh, the only the only contender that matters, Voyager, obviously. Correct, yeah. yeah. There was only one in the entire contest as far as I was concerned, which is why I was supremely confused when you said they didn't come in first when there was really only one contender in the entire event. Yeah. So. Well, I just want to clarify the results of the voting, okay? Please, please do. So, so in the jury. In the rundown. In the jury. The, the votes were released first. The jury votes were released first. And in first place was Jaguar Jones with 51 points. Then Sheldon Riley with 50 points. And then Voyager, 37 points, the next one down. That is a big drop for a performance that absolutely smashed it. And if you heard the audience reaction on the night, you could tell. Like that was, that song was very popular. Okay, so they were they were 14 points off the lead to begin with. Then they went to audience vote and Voyager smashed the audience vote. So they got, they won the popular vote to get 60 points. Um, and Sheldon Riley got 50 points in the audience vote. So the end result, when you add those all together was that Sheldon Riley won with a 100 Voyager came second with 97 Three points, the difference. And if you think about that jury vote, they went from 51 and 50 to 37 on a song that the audience thought was the best of the lot. You have to wonder, how is there such a, how is there a 13 point gap between second and third? All all I can say is, is anyone sitting around celebrating drinking a Sheldon Riley beer? No, I don't think they are. 
but they could have been enjoying a Voyager beer. So, which I know. was doing until the results last night. Yeah. I was drinking a, Vo- a Voyager Dreamer IPA beer. I think what the audience realized is what I certainly realized when I watched the video that was shared in our Discord, you know, the music video that was submitted. Yeah. I don't think that I've seen such a Eurovision song in a while. It was so on brand for what the competition is. So I commend the band just for coming up with something that was, you know, so dramatic and kind of cool and neon that it was, it it clearly should have been the winner. Yeah. Well, once again, we are an audience and we have agreed with the audience of Australia and it's not to be. I keep trying to, I I keep trying to look for bright sides in that, you know, this will, in in a year that if if you don't want to go to Europe in one year, this is probably the year to not want to go to Europe. Um, look, let's let's imagine that Ukraine, if they manage to get a contestant there, they'll win. It gives Alex more time to compose more theme songs for us. Yeah, true. So there's those sides. It's like, but all I can say is that the good, the, the other good news is that this has brought a much larger level of publicity to the band. People, you know, so. Oh, yeah, for sure. What do you, what do, you do if you find a band you like? You go listen to their music. You, sh- you stream it, you download it, you buy it. Yeah. So do do that. Thanks, Voyager, for the fun. And everybody go listen to, go watch the clip on YouTube. It's really good. Watch Streamer on YouTube. Link will be in the show notes, I'm sure. It's a really good song. I would say or go join our Discord to the- speak directly to the star Alex himself. Yeah, he's in there. I mean, that's, there you go. That elevates the coolness of the entire group, I reckon. <laughs> I'll go ahead and thank our two sponsors this week. Um, Thank you to any future sponsors in past. This week we are brought to you by Bananas uh, with 118 grams of potassium. Why wouldn't you eat one? So big thank you to Bananas. Uh, And also Power Cell Magic battery packs. They are questionably assembled battery banks that are currently being recalled. And they bet that you can find one for cheap. So thank you again to both of our sponsors of Hemispheric Views this week. And if you would like a sponsorship, please send us an email to we don't actually do sponsors at hemisphericviews.com. Thank you. I just want to pick up on the uh, banana sponsorship really quickly because I'm a big, I'm, I'm a supporter of bananas generally. I was thinking, I was a little bit worried that we were, we were being a corporate shill for big banana. Yeah. Until I realized that Australia has its own big banana. Hmm. So then I thought it's probably okay for, for us to... Yeah, I think it's okay. Yeah, I checked legal, and it seemed like it all checked out. Everything was on the up and up, so... And Martin, Big Banana? That would be in Queensland, right? Yeah, the Big Banana. I mean, naturally, the Big Banana is a building, but let's just speak hypothetically here. If the Big Banana were, in fact, a gigantic banana with the flesh of the... I mean, it's technically a herb and a berry, isn't it? If it had that flesh... If you extrapolate or scale up the potassium content of that banana, would it technically be a radioactive piece of food? I think it, I think yes, technically I'm checking with our scientists staff now and it sounds like, yes, they're giving the thumbs up on that. So we're saying that a gigantic tourist attraction would become Australia's equivalent of Chernobyl. Yes, but much more artsy because it's a big banana, Hmm. right? So- it's worth it. What we're saying is it's worth the risk. There you go. So are we supporting Big Banana or not, Andrew? I'm kind of confused now. Well, what if we plugged Big Banana into the battery pack, the other sponsor? Maybe this is your new your new play for alternate energy sources, right? I think so. So everybody wins. It's very green. It's a green banana. I don't like green bananas. He's now going to describe for us the difference between mate, 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 and mate. This came through a conversation in our Discord. Again, encourage people, if you're listening and you haven't joined in on the Discord, get in there. It's lots of fun. There, you, we can either say mate, we can say mate, we can say mate. There are different ways of saying mate and they all mean very different mate. things. And they're not always as nice and collegial as you might ex- expect it to be. Can I say with a bit of uh, Feldfoot vibe here that I'm probably not the person you want to ask for views on Australian mateship? Because this is the thing. People think that when you say mate, it's always positive. Now, if I, now, so I say to you, hey, ma- hey, mate, good to see you today. 
right? I just said, hey, mate, how's it going? Would it help if you quizzed maybe? Like if you said the thing and then... Like a role play. There was a, like, like a reaction to whether I thought that was positive or negative. I don't know if that would be helpful or not for the audience. Maybe not. And also, would having watched Crocodile Dundee live during a live watch event, would that have helped anyone in this discussion? That's a good idea. What, I'm going to take over again. I will have a discussion. I, I will say the thing about mate first. And then we're going to- I'm not gonna, talking. I'm taking over. Yeah, I'm taking over. And then Andrew will do precisely what Jason just said, right? That took a minute 14 to get there, Jason. There we go. <laughs> that was great. That was not planned at all, by no, the way. No, no, no. So. I felt an impulse. I'm like, no, nah, I have to rectify this. Okay. So- He felled an impulse. Just want to make that clear. Go ahead. The felled is a foot. Anyway. Mm. All right. So many so. good feet jokes. Okay. That's right. Okay. So, Andrew, in answer to the question that I initially shut down, now taking over, I would say that the word mate, yeah, right, as you've suggested, is multifaceted. Okay. So, the word mate is generally thought of or intended, I think, as a term of endearment. You would just plop it on the end, maybe, you know, use it to address someone you like, maybe even a stranger. It kind of builds that bridge between people. A bit of a sign of affection or general public understanding. But with the right inflection or tone or maybe even being elongated at the end of the sentence, it can be used in a more, I would say, sarcastic or acerbic manner. Is that fair? Yep. So you could go steady on, mate, as I just said to Jason earlier, obviously facetiously, but you could say that as hold your horses or take a step back or put someone in their place. Now, there's also the more complicated aspect of when it's appropriate to use mate, because, for example, I would equate being called mate in a retail or service situation as being somewhat like being called buddy. I don't like it. People just going, hey, mate, it's like, well, you know, we're just having a conversation here. I don't know you yet. You I'm, need- I'm, not your, I'm, I'm not your mate. Yeah. I'm not going to be aggressive or really outwardly annoyed about it. And I would actually say buddy's worse. When someone calls me buddy, I think- do I look nine years old? Have I walked in here with a helicopter hat on my head? <laughs> right? Don't, don't call me buddy. <laughs> yeah, but that's my choice. And then maybe then you can infer that buddy is okay. Anyway, I'm going on a buddy tangent now. Now with this negativity that I've quickly plunged into about the word mate, I will tell you that I actually never use the word. Really? I don't. I, I, I have never Audible once gasp. used the word mate seriously in my life it's always been ironically or to if you could just return your passport to the uh, passport office in your capital city i'm not sure that's how you know citizen citizenship works mate come on steady on mate jeez right wow and i'm not i'm not doing it to be a smart ass or to make a point it's just i think people who've listened to this podcast long enough kind of gathered that i speak uh, not intentionally formally, but within a way that's a bit too verbose. So it doesn't really fit my style. I Do you just use don't a say different word? Do you have like a, like a, a different go-to chap? <laughs> chap. <laughs> Hello, good sir. Yeah, um, I think no. it's chap. I think we're going with chap. Yep. No, the thing that I tend to do, and I think this is actually what Natasha makes fun of me a lot for, is precisely what I just did, is using people's names. So if I learn someone's name then I will use it and I will even use it. Like N- Natasha makes a joke that I will say Natasha when calling out to her and she responds as if there's no one else in the house other than an infant who can't understand you. Why are you addressing me by name? So she responds with, yes, Martin. The fact that you remember people's names is also somewhat un-Australian because that's the whole, one of the purposes of mate is the catch-all. And I can't remember what your name is, but good on you, mate. Really good to see you, mate. How you doing? You had a, you're having a good day? Excellent. All right, mate. Well, I'll be off then. See you later. You've avoided saying their name because you don't know what it is. Do you know what I love about this? Because I'm so extreme in my non-use of mate, Andrew had intended to be somewhat critical of the word mate, but has now gone into defense mode to defend against the extremist. But let me, so let me go the other side. There is a way that you can use mate that is not jovial and nice. When somebody does something wrong that creates some sort of damage, 
he can then become your mate, but not in the mate that you want to be. Mate, what on earth have you done? You have effed this up, mate, and you are going to have to fix it. Oh, that's exactly word for word what he said to the pool guy a couple weeks ago, I bet. <laughs> it's funny you should mention it. Yeah, he, was just, he was just reliving the pool guy right there. I know it. <laughs> that's totally what he said. I cannot believe this has happened, mate. You are an absolute muppet. Mate, I am not happy. You didn't sound happy. That was good. That sounded good. I hope you can sort of get the gist of that one. Then as Martin's as Martin said, then there's the other mate. <laughs> mate. <laughs> What's that one? What is, what 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 are we do? That's when there? somebody's for maybe they've That's done, like what do you do? Come on. They've done something stupid or they've said something slightly inappropriate that you kind of think is funny but you can't really acknowledge. You say, mate, come on. <laughs> you can't do that. Okay. Mate. <laughs> wow, so versatile. It's a great it is a great word. What do you think the American equivalent is, uh, Jason? I was trying to actually think of that. I feel like it's the thing I like about mate is that I assume it's pretty non-gendered. It's just kind of a general word for people. It doesn't matter. It is inherently blokey, but women do use it. So it can be okay. Interesting for, you know, anyone. The closest thing I could think of would be like, dude. Because you can kind of say that about a hundred different ways to mean a hundred different things. And so it's similar in those respects, but obviously clearly meant as a, as a male thing. Um, but I, I'm, I don't think there's really a truly universal one that comes to mind that, that, is, that has the versatility of being able to be mad, angry, sad, happy, funny, all as one. But... So buddy in America, because I, I sort of think mate, as we mean it in a friendly sense, to me, buddy is the American equivalent. Buddy to me, if somebody actually said buddy, I would be like, dude, what are you doing? Come on. It's very condescending. Like, is it really? Buddy? I find it very condescending when people say, thanks, buddy. It's like, um, I say it sometimes. Oh, no. I just think of like, like, like preppy boy wearing a sweater on his yacht kind of thing. Like. Really? I think it depends on who's saying it to whom, because just about every time I've ever received it, it's been from an older male. And it's used almost in a sense of you're younger than me and I'm reminding Mm. you of that, buddy. Right. If it's to someone who's on the same uh, status level or similar age, then I think it's less of an issue. I don't think you hear a lot of buddy. I don't think that's really too much of a thing. That reminds me of a word that used to be in common, common usage here amongst the older set towards younger women, and that would be love. And that has pretty much gone by the wayside now, but there was a whole generation where, you know, they're sort of in a shop and getting served by a a female shop assistant. Oh, thanks, love. Good on you, love. Yeah, no. that You should have hot coffee thrown in your face. And that that now, and to the point where now if I hear it, I'm now a bit like... Now, see, our listeners at home are going to hear a Muppet outside whippersnipping next to my window while we're podcasting. I don't know if it's a man or a woman, but I would go outside and say, mate, you know what you're doing. Mate. What's a whipper? Stop it. What's a whippersnipping? You would call it, is it something thwacker or it was on TV the other day in America. Weed whacker? Weed weed whacker. whacker? That's it. Oh, wow. I would not have guessed that. Whippersnipper. I love it. That's a good one. Putting that in my back. I think they heard me because it's gone down a bit. One thing, like you suggested, Jason, Andrew is going to say the word mate in the way that he chooses, and Jason's going to guess or infer what the meaning or intention was. Ooh, this is fun. It's like reverse unannounced trivia corner. Okay, mate. I feel like you're ask- you're going to ask me a question like where a library book is. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I'm happy with that. Mate. Oh, I just did something real bad. I just put... Creamer in your coffee that you didn't want to be there, <laughs> but you said it somewhat under your breath. But I, but it was still audible enough for me to hear it, so I knew that I did wrong. Very good, very good, very good. Um, I- so we're in somewhat of a hostile situation 
and you see someone that is not covered from a projectile and you're telling them to quick come over here and hide behind this barricade he's very good at this man i think he's almost more australian than you at this point i've been i've been studying mate well the key here is that i'm not actually australian i'm plotting the overthrow of the nation i already gave that hint earlier in this very segment When it actually happens, everyone can point back to this episode in history. (laughs) Episode 51 is when it all happened. It was all there for everyone to see. (laughs) Or hear. Um, Wait, do it again. Might. It's very aggressive. There was teeth. There was teeth involved there. I didn't like it. I felt like you were probably getting close to uh, physical harm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's see if I can do one more. I mean, I'm going to have to do this in a sentence. I'm just going to go f- for okay. it. Let's see. Yeah. Mate, I am not your mate. All right. Okay, so this guy rear ended you. You get out of the car, fully not at fault. He says to you, Look, mate, I'm sorry. And then you say that as a double reversal on him of. Don't even think about that we're going to try to split this 50-50. This is square on you, buddy. You're paying up. License and insurance, please. Is that pretty close? My goodness, Jason Burke, you are welcome in Australia anytime. Am I, though, actually? Are you guys open yet? (laughs) (laughs) I think you guys might still be closed. And the first thing you need to do when you step off the plane... And they ask you to step over here and take a rat test. You can say, mate, come on. I'll say, listen here, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) And then they'll put me back on the plane and send me back. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, well, that was Mate Corner. Listeners would be familiar with my constant nostalgic moments on the show. You too as well. Uh, And I mentioned a couple of episodes ago, I think it was actually in 2022. Yeah, it was pretty recently that I was doing a digital cleanup and finding things to throw out and, you know, just trying to tidy up a little bit. And one thing that I found which uh, I haven't thrown out and I keep out of great sentimentality is what is called the Casio AV100. Are either of you two familiar with this? It's either a calculator or a media player. Yeah, I'm going to guess calculator. Maybe a a, um, scientific calculator. Okay. Unfortunately, it isn't a calculator. Jason was closer with Media Player. I'm going to include a picture in the show notes and listeners will also find a video on our Hemispheric Views YouTube channel in the Nostalgia playlist once this episode has gone up. It is a portable LCD television with built-in radio. Oh, okay. Nice. (laughs) With a big telescopic antenna. (laughs) Yes. Oh, listen to that in the microphone. Oh, that's some telescopic antenna ridge right there. Wow. Woo. Communicating with aliens as we uh, record. Now, the reason that I bring this up is because beyond the normal nostalgic November or nostalgic kind of corner stuff that we would do, my grandfather, my late grandfather, um, Peter, this is my mum's dad, gave this to me when I was a kid. And I think it's from like the mid 90s and I could never throw this out. And I was thinking of actually using it as a radio again because, you know, analog TV signals aren't a thing anymore. But I wanted to bring it up because it's an example of something that other than being a radio, right, which Mm -hmm. is still, you know, kind of useful. It doesn't perform its key purpose or killer feature anymore. And yet I keep it around. And I wanted to know if either of you keep things around nostalgically that actually don't work anymore, whether they're broken or the technology is now made obsolete. Do either of you have something that you keep around, which is essentially a paperweight? So is that by its key feature, do you mean the TV bit doesn't work anymore? Is that, and is that because it's analog TV or because the device is Correct. actually broken? Uh, it, it actually still functions, but the TV thing doesn't work anymore because of those signals. 
That's right. You can turn it on. It has this charming little jingle and the radio still works, but the TV thing, nothing is received anymore. So do either of you have something like this where you go, oh, I love this thing, but it's a shame that it's been surpassed? I just pulled one off my shelf. That is a Pentium 3 processor. <laughs> which is and that's actually like a, it's like its own device. We're going to include a picture of this too for everyone. Yeah, it is. It is huge. Well, the processor itself. Graphics card standards today, it's quite small. Yeah. This is actually, this was, this was marketing is what happened here. So the Pentium 3 is actually very small. And then they decided to put all this extra crap around it to make it like these little hologram stickers to make it look like it's this big, amazing thing. But it's really just a tiny chip in there. But I keep this around. It's completely a paperweight. It's good for literally nothing. But it's just it was interesting in the sense that I love that they went to such effort to make it look so cool especially back when computers didn't have LED lights. They didn't have windows in the sense of a physical piece of glass on the side like they do now where you're the whole point is to look inside the PC and see all the lights and the colors and the water cooling and all that. This went in a beige ugly box and was shut and you never saw it, but they went through all this effort to make it look so cool. So I keep it literally, yes, as a paperweight. And that is cool because, you know, we're all Apple fans here. Most people just think that's just a Steve Jobs thing, that only he wanted the components inside to look really good, even though consumers wouldn't see it. And I suppose he was the most extreme in that. But what you're showing is Intel did the same thing. Yeah, well, for sure. Yeah, there's definitely quite a few examples of that through history uh, of making the internals do going above and beyond to make the internals that nobody will ever see actually look good. I'm not good for keeping stuff. I tend to, I either, either I throw it out in a you know fit of purging or Hannah makes me throw it out. Cause she said, this thing doesn't work anymore. Why are you even keeping it? Um, so I tend to keep things just long enough for them to, so I'll keep them for as long as they're not interesting because they're still quite new. And then I throw them out. And then a year later after they're gone, they would have been really interesting to still have. If, if you know what I mean? Like I mm-hmm. think back of all my old computers and stuff. It's like, Oh, if only I had them now, that would be amazing. and so much fun. Um, but I don't. So the closest I have, like in terms of tech stuff would probably be, I still have an iPod and those sorts of things. But most of the stuff has been turfed out. I just threw out an old Apple TV the other day. Like, because, yeah, I could keep it, but why? So I chucked it. Um, what I do have, um, I haven't used it as much anymore, but it, it was used for the longest time. And I have it right here in front of me. Let me tell you what this is and see if you can guess what it is. It's a Canon LS-80. Canon LS-80. Canon LS80. Is it a flash module? A flash module? Like the sort of, like a detachable flash thing. Oh, no. On top of a Canon camera. Oh, that's a, quite, that's a clever idea. Yeah, it could be I a, thought a, L for like luminance lo- or something. Yeah, yeah, that's a good guess, but it's not it. Yeah, I was thinking camera related too, but I don't think they had any cameras that were L- <clears throat> model LS. Okay. Shall Just I a dot matrix off? printer. Oh, wish I still had one of those too. Um <laughs> Is it a scanner? No, I had a Canon flatbed scanner. That would be another thing, a SCSI one. That would have been another good thing to have kept. But no, I'm going to tell you guys, this is the LS80 electronic calculator, complete with solar wow. power. Oh, it's so yellow. Yeah, it's, it's yellow, the plastic. Uh, still turns on. Uh, let's test it. Uh, let's do 20, 73, oops, 73 plus... plus Yep. 24, 24 minus yep. 9. That's 9. Yep. Divided by 2. Okay, I don't know. Does it do BIMDAS? I don't know. Let's find out. This is reverse Polish, Polish notation, correct? I just want to make sure. The answer according to the Canon LS80 is 44. Huh. It's got to be right. So, And those buttons are still just as satisfying to, to use as ever. So there you go. Well, you just reminded me of something that I'm going to go and get from the other room. Talk, talk amongst yourselves. We're doing a podcast here, but see you in a sec. All right. Keep talking. It has a, it has a memory function. I never found memory functions of calculators very intuitive. 
Well, I feel like the memory function would rely on you to also remember what the hell you put into the memory <laughs> slot. And like, we know that's not happening. So what's the point? Because you go, oh, was it 20? What did I put? Ah, clear, clear all, <laughs> start over. And do you push clear once, twice, three times? So you just jam oh, a hundred times. times. Just <laughs> 50 times you hit clear and then also the all, the like all clear. Because you're like, wait, I forget. Do, do I have to do one or the other? Just hit them both a bunch of times. And then this one also has a, a button. It has the clear and clear all. And then another yellow button is, is RMCM. Now, is that remove memory, clear memory? So why? Gotta like, be. So you got to jam How's that. How's that different? You just got to smash that a bunch of times too, right? So basically your whole top row, you're just kind of <laughs> hitting the whole thing. <laughs> but, yep. I love this. How many, how many digits does it hold on the screen? Oh, let me, let me see. Let me see. Like hang on. Let six, me, eight. Let me, uh, let me just see if I can type boobless. But it only goes to like six. Uh, it's no, eight. 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 Yeah. Did you used to do the boobless thing? I recall it happening, Were but you? I thought that was on the, the, like the big fancy calculators. Cause they could fit. You would just the, type. Yeah. And you type the number and then hold it upside down and, point be like, yeah there was like mate, look at this. Four, four or five words you could do i feel like yeah i was judged heavily in high school maths in high school maths class because i and another person in the class did not subscribe to using the default or preferred option of the casio calculator we had sharp calculators so our high school teacher begrudgingly came over to translate whatever he was doing into the different language but i think he would have hated it me even more had i brought this Claris it's a claris calculator claris as in spin-off subsidiary thing of apple yeah yeah yeah. wow what is that screen this was in my parents study drawer is it just gigantic numbers or does it have multiple rows how does that look there'll be a picture of that too in the show does it do do, what, what goes on that screen yeah let's have a look i'm going to turn it on and I'm going to do... This calculator's been waiting to be turned on for years. Oh, they're just gigantic. Gigantic letters that spell boobless. Boobless. I thought it was going to be, like, really fancy with multiple rows. Yeah. It looked that way, didn't it? Nope. Just a regular calculator with half the screen that doesn't get used. Well, there's calculator corner. I'm going to keep this cannon. I'm going to keep this cannon out of my desk. I'm going to be one of those old people. You know the old people who sit in front of computers all day? But whenever they have to do math, they don't use Excel or the calculator or launch bar or anything. They use that calculator. That's going to be me. It's like, I have some important notes to take. I'm going to stick some post-its to the monitor. Well, how else do you remember your password? I wanted to say to our listeners that beyond Nostalgic November and any other things we've asked them to send before, I would love them to send in, whether it's on the Discord or at Hemispheric Pod or Hemispheric Views on Micro.blog, whatever, send us in a picture or description or tweet or whatever of something that you keep around that doesn't work anymore, either because it's broken or it's been superseded, but you can't part with it. I'd love to see it. Or just a picture of your crappy calculator that you have. That works too. You notice it's always Mr. Feld giving our listeners homework. (laughs) It's never me or Jason giving homework. It's always Mr. Feld. (laughs) Now, listeners, what you have to do. (laughs) They know their place. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Try doing a podcast with this guy, people. <sighs> You're still here. Media Corner. Well, it's a show that I think all three of us have watched. I don't know if we're all at the same stage because I've only watched the first episode. So we'll try to keep it spoiler free if we can for everyone. Oh man, this thing, we, 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 we're chomping at the bit to get more of this. It comes out on Fridays and we watched the last one Thursday night and we're already like, where the heck is the next one? So you're, you've watched three? Yeah. So, uh, I've watched two. So we're all at different stages. I've watched one because I held off and said to Natasha, I've already seen it, but I need to drag you along with me if you're willing to watch it. And she watched it graciously. I said, I don't want to force you, but it's something that I'm going to be watching and we're either together or not on this. And she went, okay, that was a good show. I was hesitant at first. 
It, well, wait, hold on. We didn't actually say what it was. <laughs> we're we're talking about Smigadoon. Uh, no, we're not talking about that. We're talking about the new. I think it's yeah. It's well, obviously it's new. It's not all out yet. The new Apple TV Plus show called Severance with that one guy from Parks and Rec. He looks totally different. I think that's what he was from. Yeah, right? it is. is he it the is. Parks and Rec guy. Yeah, and yeah. Step Brothers. Oh, I don't know that. Neither do I. No worries. Move on. So that guy is in it. So that's helpful to everyone. And then a few other folks as well. Um, probably famous people that uh, people are yelling at me for not knowing. But uh, Patricia Arquette and directed by Ben Stiller. There you go. Those those folks. Yeah. And what's his name? Uh, but Martin hasn't got to him yet, so I'm not going to mention him. Hmm. No spoilers. Oh, walking. We're not going to spoiler anything unless we already did. But there are chapter markers, so on the off chance that we do screw this up and spoil something, maybe just skip ahead. Okay, well, I'll speak generally about the premise and why people should watch this. How about that? Oh, that would be good, yeah. So, if you're unfamiliar with Severance on, App- Severance on Apple TV+, Plus, the general idea is that there is this company called Lumen, right? Lumen Industries. And there is a severed floor where people essentially have a split between their working life and their personal life. Now, I won't give too much away about how this works, but the idea is hypothetically in our own current day, there is a way to actually physically separate your memories between work and home life. They and call what's that really interesting about balance. It, yeah, work-life balance. Exactly. They even sell it that way. <laughs> But it's this kind of dystopian feel to it. And what's really cool about the show, uh, either of you jump in if you agree or disagree, is that it's very measured in the way that it's shot. It hangs on these long, tense shots of moving through very satirized versions of modern-day open-plan offices. Music comes in really thoughtfully, and you really feel the weight of this unbelievably ethical controversial decision that these people who work on this floor have made to sever memories between two aspects of their lives so i found the concept gripping from the beginning and i'm keen to watch more of it what do you two reckon yeah i the the cinematography is amazing i love it it's so good every shot is just it feels wonderful the the opening shot of the show is just yeah, wow, what's going the, on the, the color scheme just the colors and the the saturation levels at, at different times are are very well planned and you can tell there was a lot of thought put into that it, it reminds the symbology sorry, can, can i interrupt there and just say, it reminds me of a combination of kubrick and um who's the guy who does the the darjeeling limited darjeeling unlimited oh where's anderson where's anderson it's a combination of kubrick's minimalism with Wes Anderson, like perfection and alignment. Mm. Sorry, I just okay. had to. No, no, that's great. I I am in no way like a film Neither person. Neither am I. <laughs> so anything you add is great because I'm just gonna say it looked pretty. Um, but I, one thing that stands out to me is the the way that they use symbology throughout the show without smashing you over the head with it. Like happens a lot of times where you're like. And I'm going to use just a generic example, not related to the show, but it's like, you know, yeah, we get it. Everything that's bad is red. And it's like, okay, like, stop. Stop just writing on the screen, basically, what we're supposed to think and feel. But just sprinkling it in subtly, but not too subtly that you are the person that's like, oh, I didn't see that. What What is everyone talking about? So it, it does that really well in terms of where it places those kinds of things. I totally agree. You reminded me of a particular example that stood out when I was watching it. Even the way that they characterize the corporation when they're working in the office. So they have those retro style computers that do have graphical user interfaces. So they've very purposely put these very institutional looking things in there, but also made them kind of approachable. And even the top, I don't know if you two noticed, but in that very first episode, when you see them using the computers, I won't ruin for viewers what they're doing or what's happening, but you see even the typeface and the way that things are designed and they navigate the computer. 
it looks like a very friendly sans serif typeface, but everything has this clinical, almost menacing, faceless corporate look to it. And everyone feels, seems kind of happy in there, but there's this overhanging dread. It's like it can't decide, almost like the split of the brain, whether it's this positive space or menacing prison. It's very confused. I want that computer so bad. Like you were talking about things that you could have on your desk that don't work. I want that. Thing. I want that prop so bad. Is it, is it actually a computer that, or is it a custom thing for the show? Did you either of you recognize that? I think it's custom. I'm sure if you looked on the internet, there's been, you know, 74 trillion words written about how that thing was constructed. If it's not just the off the shelf thing, but it looks so freaking cool. Yeah. I, I love everything about it. Yeah, it's so thoughtful. Everything in here feels like it was very deliberately thought out. It's the first show in a while where I'm like, give me more. Mm. And, and I'm almost happy that it, that they do the weekly release thing instead of the, you know, here's all however many of them. I'm really enjoying it. And I'm, I'm enjoying it on the two levels. I'm enjoying it from the, the design and the look that you guys have talked about. And also some of the... Uh, sort of the subtext and the commentaries that it's mm. making. Um, the Lumen Corporation, first of all, the thing that this reminds me of is, do you remember Lost? The TV show Lost? Yes. That was Are you going to say first. Dharma? It is like the Dharma Initiative, yeah. In the, Love it. Every, everything is branded, but it's mysterious about what this thing actually does or how they get their, their claws in everywhere. But everything is branded at Lumen Corp. You know, <laughs> they make everything from the pens and the pencils to the to the, the medical implants, you know, like it's just, they do everything. It feels very aperture science uh, in terms of it's, everything is weird and nobody really knows what it is, but here's your aperture science coffee mug and like, here's your pen and yeah. And the revered founder, the big head. Yeah, and I, and I know you too aren't Blade Runner fans, but even like Tyrell Corp. And I think the beauty of that is that you can have a fictitious organization that represents all the evils you want to say, but without targeting an actual real world company. And like the, the, the little things again with the design, like the topography of the, the office, each room has a, has a name associated with, and it's, and it's in like a Futura kind of, no, it's not Futura. It's a, it, it is a futuristic font. I don't know what it is, but just almost like bank Gothic, I reckon. Yeah. I'm not sure, but it, a font nerd will know. Um, it looks really nice. And it's the kind of office that I would love to work in. Like if I had to go to the office every day, that environment would be epic. Yeah. The carpet, it's all clean. Everything's precisely light. You don't technically know that you don't go to that office every day. Well, this is true. And that brings me to my next point. Getting to the, the, the sort of the characters of these people. At first, I didn't really think about it. But then I was like, hang on. These characters... The people in the office, they never leave. They never have the... So, they they finish their day. They Spoiler walk, alert. They, oh, is it, it's hard. They, they finish their day, they get in the elevator, and the next thing they know, they're coming out of the elevator. I didn't twig to that immediately, even though it's obvious in what they're trying to... It's, it's hard to conceptualize at first it was for me. This loop that they're in... That's where the visual design is very clever because when they when they enter the environment, the camera actually shifts. It actually changes look. So it's a very artful way of saying same person. It feels like it, it almost goes from like a like a twenty four millimeter lens to like a twelve millimeter lens, mm -hmm. but with the same the same focal distance from the subject. It does this weird shift thing subtly, but and then the qu the question I want to ask you guys. Is, is there any sort of social commentary about us in our modern worlds who we constantly bring work home? Like, you used to have the Dolly Parton nine to five, right? <laughs> what a way to make a living. God, I want some cinnamon bread. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, you would go to work, you would do your work and you would leave. And that was the end of the work day, right? And now in our current society, we're all working from home. We've got our smartphones. We're looking at work emails you know, at all times of the day. And is this almost a social commentary on that, our current existence of this sort of expectation that you're always at work? I think yes. And also the social commentary on not trusting your employees. 
it feels a little bit of that too, where we, if you're not here and we're not watching everything you do, you're not working. It's an obsession with the control of data to the point that it's even the data in your own mind. But the other thing that I, I took from this as a social commentary is the fact that, and this goes for any sphere of life, any social context you're in, but particularly in this case, work and home, we're all technically different people at work. We're technically different people on this podcast. The people listening to us right now are hearing a different version presented through Zoom windows in a chat, which is eventually edited and a different persona. So the person I am at home in the kitchen when I'm cooking dinner each night is different from the person I am when I'm in a physical office or in a Teams meeting for work or with you guys. So it's like the visceral or embodied representation of the identities that we assume in different parts of our lives. Sometimes you watch shows and they just feel like they're more important than others. You just get mm. a feeling of, oh, mm-hmm. I really, I need to really focus on, I'm, I'm going to put my phone down. I'm not watching this and doing something else. This is, this is worthy of my time and attention completely. Yep. Yeah. And it's really valuable. That's sort of how this show feels to me. Yeah, we've, we've watched every episode at night. And I, every single night we've watched this, I've had like wild, weird dreams, not related to the show or anything. Just like it clearly got things going in my brain that were like just we're gonna we're gonna work and churn on this all night everybody complains about apple tv or apple doing media but (laughs) tell you what it's working and look i'll have watched more obviously by the time this episode goes out and i don't know how many thumbs andrew's gonna give it but just from the beginning it gets five martin feet whoa (sighs) that's a lot do you care to match that with some thumbs, Andrew? I'm going to give it probably four thumbs. Mm. Okay, and I'm holding a thumb in reserve because I'm still worried. This could go, it could become, my biggest fear is it becomes drawn out and they kind of, they, they hold back too much and it becomes frustrating. I'm worried about that. Four thumbs, four thumbs and five feet. Jason, have you got a, a right? You haven't really ever disclosed your writing scale. Um, I'm going to go with, how about, uh, we'll go with eyeballs. Makes sense for TV. I'm going to give it a good uh, eight eyeballs for sure. And with a couple of uh, hopes and dreams, I think that's, I think that's a wrap. It is. So count us down. One prime plus dot com. It's in the long game.